This is lesson 13 of the study of Galatians. We've made it all the way to chapter 3. We're going to start to look at the miracles that are spoken of in chapter 3 today. The topic of verse 5. We're going to start with verse 1 for context. But Paul is laying out his argument for the gospel that he preaches. Remember, the gospel he preaches differs from rabbinic thought and tradition. His gospel is that non-Jews of Galatia and all the nations have been accepted by God. There's nothing else they need to do except follow God. That has always been God's plan that the Gentiles would be saved through Yeshua. And we knew that we know this from the words of Isaiah. God said through Isaiah, speaking of Messiah, He said, It's too small a thing for you to restore the tribes of Jacob. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. However, the influencers and almost the whole of the Jewish people believe that for all intents and purposes, you need to be, in order to be saved, you have to be part of Israel. While they themselves realized that it was through the grace of God and their confession that Yeshua is the Messiah that they were saved, they also know that they were circumcised at that time. They were part of physical Israel as well. And so the thought is that non-Jews must be circumcised and be part of Israel. And not just that, they must obey all the burdensome rulings, just as the Jewish people do. They have a long-standing conversion process to be part of Israel, and you have to convert for them to have fellowship with you, to eat with you, and so forth. Paul, of course, has had a mystery revealed to him. That same mystery spoken of in Isaiah, and he states it quite plainly for us in the book of Ephesians. Remember, Peter received the revelation that God-fearers were made clean by God and he should not consider them unclean. But Paul, he receives much more of this mystery. And he states it for us in Ephesians. He says this in chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. So I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Messiah, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has been now revealed by the Spirit of God's holy prophets and apostles. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers in the promises of and Messiah. The mystery is that it's not just Israel or the Jewish people who are the focus of God's salvation and the goal of God in saving the world, but it's also the God-fearers. Those non-Jews who fear God and Messiah will be co-heirs in the world to come, sharers in the life promised by Messiah Yeshua. Not just proselytes, as the influences are demanding of the, that the Galatians become. Not just those who have vanished into the generations of Israel, or those who are indistinguishable from the Jewish people, but all God fears from the nations. Those who are from the nations, who accept Yeshua and keep the commands of God that were given specifically for them, obeying them through the leading of the Spirit of God. That's the revelation given to Paul. And it's confirmed in the book of Revelation. It's confirmed for us in the book of Revelation. Let's read chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. 
After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In this vision of the throne of God and also those who made it through the age to worship Him, John sees a multitude no one can count. And what's distinctive about this multitude? Well, he can see plainly they're from every nation. And it also says tribe. Or we could say every clan and kindred, meaning from those within that nation, every distinctive clan. It also said peoples, or we could say social groups within those nations, and not just that, every tongue and language. That's not a parallel statement telling us that they're distinguishable from the 144,000 that is also spoken of in chapter 7. It tells us they are distinguished from them. What's being said there is there's a multitude before the throne that's distinguishable by their nation, clan, and language. In other words, they're not from the Jewish nation. They're distinguishable. They are worshipers of God. They're God-fearers who kept the commands of God for them and just for them. And you can distinguish them from that 144,000 spoken of earlier. Paul knew this. Peter knew this. And John knew because it was confirmed for him in this vision of the end that there would not just be Jewish people and proselytes who had converted, but God's plan is that all those from the nations who have put their faith and trust in the salvation of God through the Lamb of God who sits on the throne will be there as well. Paul is proving that this gospel he preaches, first he proves it first and foremost. The first point was that the gospel he preaches is from God and not men. And he confirms it by the fact that it was approved by the other apostles and their approval was evidenced by them giving him the right hand of fellowship. His second proof is what we started last week. And we're going to continue today. That these Galatians received the Spirit of God after they believed the gospel. And that God worked miracles among them after they believed the gospel. So let's read on. Let's read beginning with verse 1 of chapter 3. You foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Messiah Yeshua was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit that you're now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Paul speaks in verse 2 through 4 of the evidence of the Spirit of God that has been given to these Galatians as a guide for one's life. That indwelling Spirit that leads a person to walk through life in a way that's pleasing to God. And we get another example of this Spirit of this, what he's talking about in Galatians chapter 5. He says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes into a believer's life at the point of salvation and there is a change that takes place in that person's life. It's a miraculous change. 
One that completely changes the direction of one's life. Did you ever try and change the direction of your life even in one small little area all by yourself? Let's just take like what you eat. You know, most people, unless they're blessed with a metabolism that keeps them thin no matter what they eat, have been on diets. And yes, I said diets, plural. And the reason is they never really changed the way they ate. There was never a life change. The diet was easy, but the life change, not so much. And the point is, this change in life, this change in the life of one who comes to faith in Messiah Yeshua is nothing more than miraculous in itself. The Spirit moves in and the life of the person is changed for good. The human experience is one of degeneration, one of decay. Look at the book of Genesis. They start out in the garden, perfect, pure, and innocent. In a matter of days, sin and decay sets in. Before a generation passes, they degenerate to murder. Move forward in time to Noah, and the people no longer resemble the perfection that God had made them in, and so He must destroy them. I mean, look at a more recent example. Look at our country. It started out a nation of those who wanted to worship the God of Israel. Now it's in a state of moral decay. Much of the church is in a state of moral decay. Oh, that's another sermon. Though. So the change in the state of moral decay to one of regeneration is nothing more miraculous than itself. Romans says of those who come to faith in Messiah Yeshua, it says in chapter 8, the righteousness of the law, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The change is so complete because you have a new master. You're no longer pulled about by your flesh. But now the Spirit directs your footsteps. You ever try, you ever, you ever, after you came to faith, think about doing something that wasn't right? That spirit is right there with you, nagging you. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And hopefully you listened. And if you didn't, then you have to repent. But the spirit is right there with you, guiding you and directing you. And in this verse he says, Did the spirit work miracles among you by your works of the law because you believed what you heard? Now he speaks of a more different, a more tangible type of miracle. He speaks of... He doesn't say what kind of miracle it was, but if we look at the rest of the Messianic writings, I think we can assume that it was people being healed, people being set free from demons and things like that. And I said last week that you won't see miracles among those whose focus focus is on works of the law. And by that I mean by putting their confidence in who they are and in the flesh and in keeping the works of the law by anyone's definition. I don't care whose it is. Your focus, your faith must be on God and not on your own ability. Let's look at the word for this type of miracle. The word for miracles here in chapter 3 is dunamis. It says strength, power, ability, inherent power, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth power for performing miracles. And so if we look at this, it is the power of God at work in the world doing something that just doesn't happen in the natural. It's supernatural. 
And we're not going to be able to cover miracles completely today, but I want to look at this one aspect. That this, that they happen by faith, by trusting God rather than yourself and works of the law, because that's the topic. And that is why Paul can say so confidently, did you receive these miracles by what you heard or by keeping the law? No matter by whose standards. When you are trusting someone's works of the law, obviously you're not trusting God. Amen? Does that make sense? You're not trusting Him completely anyway. You know, at the conference, Asher Intrader told a story that fits perfectly with what I wanted to say today about miracles. He didn't tell it in the same context that I'm going to tell it today, but it got across what I want to say today that I'm going to retell parts of it. He told a story of Young Fu Hang. How would you like to have a name like Young Fu Hang? But this guy is one of the five who started the amazing underground churches in China. Now, if you want to speak of evangelists, these five men are responsible for over 90 million people coming to faith in Yeshua in China. Amazing, right? Do you know there are 90 million believers in China after almost being wiped out by China's turn to communism and its subsequent outline of Christianity. Well, as I said, he's one of those who started this huge home church network in China. Well, this young Fu was an atheist at the start of the story here. He's an atheist. Thanks to communism, most of China was atheist. Because of their ban on religion. There are very few Christians left in this country because they had all been murdered by the state. Well, this young foo had an accident. And he was paralyzed completely. He couldn't move. And one day, he's visited by a man who was one of the very few remaining Christians in China. He came to visit him at his bedside. He had a captive audience, so he told him the gospel. Guy couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't move, literally. And he had to preach. The guy preached the good news to him and then he left. So Young, still unable to move, after hearing the good news, he began to pray. He said, God, if this man is right, if what he said is true, then heal me. If what this man told me was true and Yeshua could heal and restore, then heal me. And he prayed it. He said he prayed this for seven days. And at the end of seven days, he was still unable to move. And he went to bed. And the next morning, after praying for seven days, he woke up in the morning and he noticed his blanket was on the floor. Well, if you're covered up by someone in the evening with a blanket and you're paralyzed and you can't move, there's no way your blanket is going to end up on the floor. Right? Which is exactly what he reasoned. He said to himself, I must have moved last night. So this man reasoned he must have moved. So he got up out of bed and he walked out to his family who were amazed. Then he walked out of the house and those in the village saw him. And and of course they were amazed that he could walk. And what happened, it spread to the surrounding villages. They heard about it and they all came together. And he told them about his prayer and he told him about Yeshua and the good news. 
And when all the people came from the surrounding villages, there were numbered about 200. And nearly all of them came to faith in the Messiah Yeshua when they heard. There was an instant salvation worked in the lives of nearly 200 people all through the testimony of this man's miraculous healing. No works of the law. In fact, they had no law. Young had no Bible. This man knew nothing of the Bible or of God except the gospel of Yeshua that had been spoken to him by one of the few remaining Christians in China. All he had was his testimony and the power of God healing him and the Spirit of God took his testimony and went to work and nearly everyone there accepted Yeshua that day. You know, that gives new meaning to, Rome, to Revelation chapter 11. It says, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Well, this fellow, he started traveling around from town to town. He had no Bible, just a testimony. And everywhere he went, people were saved. And that was the beginning of this fifth wing, this fifth wing of this Chinese Christian church. Everywhere he went, he gave his testimony And so there was a home church started there. And why home churches? Do you ever think about it? Why was it home churches? Well, part of it was because of the persecution, fear of the state. But remember I said he had no Bible. Well, so he went to see this man who told him the good news. He says, you know, I need need a Bible. I need to know how to worship this Yeshua. And the man told him, there are no Bibles. Along with the death of the Christians, all the Bibles had been burned. The old man said to him, but I do have this very old Bible. And it's just the Messianic writings. And that because of age, Matthew is missing and Revelation is missing. Both of the ends had been torn away. All he had was what was in the center. So the old man says, I don't have anything but this and I'll let you use it for seven days, but I want it back. So Young took it home and for seven days and seven nights he copied the Messianic writings. Those Messianic writings of the Bible. That's how he got his Bible. Okay, that's the story and I'll get back to it later. But first, I want to make the point I wanted to make is that the people are saved totally by the grace of God and by the power of God. Not the law, not the prophets, not the writings of Paul. But the testimony of Yeshua's work in the life of others. The good news that Yeshua came to save the nation because it's just too small a thing for him to to just save the tribes of Jacob. And so God made him a light for the nations so that he would bring his salvation even to China after they did their best to murder off Christianity. It all happened through the deutimus, that word we just looked at, the power of God, the miracle was and is the power of God at work. And so Paul says, I'd just like to ask you one thing. Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observed the law or because you believed what you heard? Let me say something. Miracles miracle has happened to those of faith, those who believe what they heard. Miracles require faith. Listen to what Mark says. Chapter 6 and verse 4. And Yeshua said to them, 
Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he couldn't do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. The miracles of Yeshua happened to those of faith. And let me tell you something about miracles. They didn't happen for those who didn't have faith. Even though those, even though those without faith had the law. They had the Torah. Makes no difference how much law you know. The fact is that those who know the law often don't accept miracles. Just like those people of Yeshua's hometown. Listen to what Matthew says. And they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Yeshua healed him so that they could both talk and see. So he could both talk and see. The people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. You see, often those who keep the law more stringently are those who are too busy, too holy to have faith to receive a miracle. They look for all intents and purposes for, or they look for other reasons for that miracle to happen. The point I'm trying to make is that it, it doesn't take the law of God, but it takes faith in God. You don't have to know any of the law of God. You just have to hear the good news and accept it. Often those who appear the most pious in their faith are the ones with least faith. Which brings me to another proof of what I want to say. If Young had been in this country and the same thing happened to him, and he went out and told his story for the rest of his life, he'd be lucky to get 200 people to come to the Lord. In his lifetime. Because this whole country is one of little faith. What would have happened in this country is like the Pharisees above, they would have immediately started to reason how this really could have happened. How could this have really happened? Maybe he really just had a pinched nerve in his neck. And it kept him paralyzed. And that evening when they moved him and covered him, it unpinched him. And the next morning he was able to walk. You know, there are many in the church who would would have been thinking these similar kinds of things. They would have sat listening to the amazing testimony of a man healed by the power of God and tried to make excuses. Just like those of Yeshua's hometown. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Without faith, this is what Hebrews says, In chapter 11, verse 6, Enoch, before he was taken, was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Young Fu Hang believed God existed. He didn't have a great faith. Just enough to say, in essence, prove it to me. Heal me. Prove to me that this is correct. In other words, that's basically what he was saying. And he was rewarded for his faith in Messiah by being healed. And he became one of history's greatest evangelists with the testimony of what Yeshua had done in his life. Think about it. Well, let me say something. We all have amazing and miraculous testimonies. And if we went around giving our testimony, people in this country would immediately dismiss it for some natural occurrence. 
if we went through, if we look through history and society in general, people are always trying to reduce God's miracles to everyday happenings, the flood to a natural occurrence. Parting the Reed Sea is reduced to things like, oh, they crossed where the water was shallow. See, the miracles of the Bible are reduced to natural occurrences because people don't have faith in the supernatural God of Israel. There's a principle that comes through the Bible, and that is God does not do miracles to get people to believe. Miracles happen to people who do believe. You've all heard my testimony. One day an addict, the next day after praying for you, Jesus' help, not an addict, a follower of Yeshua. The fact that I stand here today preaching is a miracle in itself because I was a total introvert. I couldn't get up in front of people. My goodness, I would be just petrified. And I look at each one of you and I see the same thing, the power of God at work in the world. Do you realize what an event it was that you're sitting here today in this place? What a miracle it is that this place is here today. Think about it. After 2,000 years, there's a congregation that looks very much like what Paul saw and John envisioned. Look around you. People of differing nations, continents, differing peoples and tongues. A miracle that after 2,000 years of teaching that the law has been abolished, the Sabbath and the festivals of the Lord are for Jews only, we have these people, groups, sitting here hoping to get back to the truths the disciples had in the first century, hoping to get back to the worship of God that the disciples had, getting back to the festivals and the Sabbath of God. You see, God is moving in the world in these final days. Back to China for a moment, because there's another miracle in this story I want that struck me anyway. So Young Fu, he gets his hand on a Bible, marked through Jude. He's winning all these people for Yeshua, and they ask themselves, well, what do we do with all of this? We know that Yeshua is the Savior of the world. We know that He heals. We've witnessed this. But how do we worship? What do we do with this newfound faith? Well, He said, well, we just looked at the book of Acts. And we saw what the followers of Yeshua did then. And that's what we must do. And so home churches were reborn in China out of the pages of the Messianic writings. These folks with little to none of the corruption of the faith that entered through the church of Rome said, we have to get back to this model in the book of Acts. The vision of the people of China who had only part of the Bible and their testimony, this amazing work of God in China, was the result of that. Their, their vision was to return to the book of Acts to return to the truths of these first century congregations of Yeshua. When confronted with the miracles of God, faith responds with repentance and return to God. Yeshua told us why. He said, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. John four twenty three and 24. If you follow the Spirit of God and not men, it's going to lead you to this. 
in the first century they worshipped in spirit and in truth and Yeshua said that time is coming again. And no matter what the world does, no matter how corrupt, no matter how little faith, the words of Yeshua will not fail. He will have a people who return. Kill every Christian in China and miss one or two. Destroy every part of the Bible except for one small piece and God will use that to save 90 million. And He does it because it fulfills His purpose, His plan, and His prophecies. China had stamped out nearly every believer in the land and the power of God reversed what the best efforts of men could do because the words of Yeshua will not fail. Not just that. The, other, the reason Asher was telling this story, get this, these folks from China finally came to Israel, to Jerusalem. Because in reading the Bible, they recognized that Jerusalem was the head of the assembly of God. Not Rome, not the Pope, not USA, not Utah. But with nothing but the Bible, they read, they knew the Jewish people were the head and not the tail, and Jerusalem was the capital. They were closer to the truth in less than a 100 years than the rest of the church is after 2,000 years. Right? Amazing, right? Look around the room for a moment. Look around and tell me, is it any less of a miracle that a lifelong Seventh-day Adventist from a family of Seventh-day Adventists with a lifetime of preaching that they are the people of God now are now sitting in a Messianic congregation? Jewish congregation? Right? Look around you. Is it any less of a miracle that lifelong Baptists who were taught that Yeshua did away with the Sabbath and the festivals are now sitting in a chair next to you on the Sabbath day looking forward to Passover? And we could go on. The evangelical, Lutheran, Catholics, all sitting together in the same building on the Sabbath day. Is that any less a miracle? The fact that there's a place for them to sit on the Sabbath day, is that any less a miracle? Is it any less a miracle that 22 years ago, some people got together and said, let's worship as they did in the first century? And not only that, they were able to go into one of these Baptist churches and convince them to allow them to use the building on the Sabbath day, even though they preached things that ran totally contrary to what the Baptists taught, they were allowed to stay. Figure, right? Is it any less a miracle that they got on a Christian radio station and taught what ran contrary to what the station outlined in their statement of faith and stayed on there? Is it any less a miracle that the same group of people are on television on a secular station Mind you, teaching that the world is turning dark, teaching the truths of the Bible, that this country was founded on biblical principles. You know, if you teach the Word of God concerning marriage, you're, you're a radical fringe now. Not 20 years ago, but now you're on the radical fringe. You need to be locked up. Everyone has freedom of speech in this country unless you speak the Word of God. See, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are many who say God doesn't work miracles any longer. Well, He does, and you only need to look at the world through the eyes of faith to see them. If you look at 
the world through the world's eyes, even if you look through religious eyes, you probably won't see them. But if you look at the world through the prophecies of the book, if you look at the world through the testimony of others like young Fu Hang, you see the miracle of what God is doing. You see his plan, the same plan Paul fought so vehemently for, unfolding before your eyes. You see the lives of people being changed to conform to the plan and the worship of God before your eyes. You begin to see how this all is fitting together. You see the finale of this plan forming and being staged right before your eyes. Amen?